Hi, and welcome to the Applied Innovation Exchange podcast. Today's topic is about how having a complex supply chain can actually be advantageous to your business. It's a great conversation, and so good, in fact, that we've decided to break it up into two. So this is part one, and with that, I'll turn it over to the host, Kevin Sislow. Hello, my name is Kevin Sislow. I'm a leader at the Applied Innovation Exchange in San Francisco, and I'll be facilitating our conversation today. Uh, I'm joined by Joe Boggio, uh, Innovation Leader at Capgemini, and uh, Frederick Lalouis-Yo, uh, CEO of Era Technology. Thank you both for joining us uh, this morning. So a bit of context as we jump into this topic. Uh, today we're talking about complexity as an advantage uh, in the supply chain space. So admittedly a, a difficult proposition uh, for large corporations, supply chains define the word complex, huge functional teams, immense spans of control, ever-increasing volumes of data, not to mention um, massive reliance on partners, macroeconomic conditions, and an ever-evolving consumer expectation in the space. Despite this complexity, modern supply chains are incredibly adept at delivering results and providing that critical link between corporate strategy and the end consumer. Um, just a quick indication of scale. So consider one of Capgemini's clients. Um, this particular client allocates about 60% of their overall workforce, about 100,000 people, against the surface area that is supply chain. Um, other clients refer to supply chain networks that cover billions of miles each year, engaging with tens of thousands of suppliers to deliver products in over 100 countries. So again, complex is probably an understatement. But innovation loves complexity, and the marketplace continues to find opportunity in this space. So that's kind of what we're here to talk a bit further about today. Um, so we're, again, we're excited to have you, Fred and Joe. Uh, so thanks for joining. Thanks for having us. Excellent. So Fred, I, I'd love to start with you. And, and maybe before we jump into the questions, just a little bit about uh, yourself and your company, uh, the background that brought you into this, this space that we're talking about today. How much time do we have? A <laughs> <laughs> um, little bit about myself. Look, uh, 20 plus years um, in the enterprise software industry, across multiple companies, small, big, uh, for 10 years worked on the, on the enterprise modeling, activity-based costing, worked in business intelligence with business subjects with, at SAP for a few years, doing some um, M&A, doing some strategy, leading their finance line of business. Then I jumped in 2012 uh, in a small company at the time called Anaplan, which led to a um, hyper growth mode and being a unicorn. And 2016, I uh, jumped out of Anaplan to launch a new company called Era, uh, which basically uh, combines these uh, ideas that we've had over the last 20 years. And, and at a high level, the idea is that we're moving from an era of, uh, hence the name, <laughs> an era of people doing the work supported by machines to an era of machines doing a lot of the work controlled by people. And the first area where we wanted to apply that logic was supply chain mm -hmm. because of what you just called out, the complexity and uh, the, the, the critical aspect of it for so many uh, companies that are either disrupting or being disrupted. Uh, so we basically build a technology that we call a cognitive operating system. And uh, the vision that we have is to really enable what we call the self-driving enterprise. So maybe we'll talk a bit more about it later. Excellent. Thank you very much. And I think that the first thing that pops out for me is that complexity is something I'd be really curious to get your read. When you talk to, to um, players in the market, are they looking at that complexity as a at an advantage for them, something that makes it 
really difficult for other competitors to enter their space, or do they only look at it as a thing to be solved that gets harder over time? Well, for sure, supply chain for depends on which industry you're operating. But uh, one of our clients was telling us recently, look, basically what we sell is water and soap. It's a multi-billion dollar company. We have just signed another contract with another company that basically sells water and sugar. Yeah. When you sell those liquids, the problem is they're heavy. You have to be, and the transportation cost is really high. So what do you need to have? You need to have your manufacturing sites fairly close to where the consumers are which creates another level of note of complexity. But that company was, the head of supply chain in that company was telling me recently, look, people buy our products because of our brands. Mm. They trust our brands. And right. before you shop, you, you, you put some shampoo on your baby's head or you feed them with some sparkling water or whatever, you want to make sure that you can trust the brand. And the second element is because simply you find our products anywhere, any corner stores around the world, you can buy our products. So that's supply chain. That's mm -hmm. uh, and what differentiates their uh, their capabilities from others is actually the fact that they are everywhere. Yeah. Um, problems is on their side. Power of brands are being disrupted. We're moving from macro brand to micro brands. So that's that's interesting when you have a network of 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 factories around the world that are dedicated to a certain number of brands. Now, how do you do it? It's complicated. Uh, second problem is you have the e-commerce disruptors, the Amazons of the world who are basically selling to consumers. You don't need to go to the store anymore. Yeah. And here you have the two pillars of some of the largest brands in the world, the far largest companies uh, companies in the world that are being really shaken. So your point about is complexity of supply chain or, or the scale of supply chain an advantage or, or a disadvantage. It really depends if you are the disruptor or if you are the one being disrupted. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, and Joe, I'd love to bring you into the conversation here as well. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Yeah, I think a couple of reflections for me are you know, we um, it, it just it, kind of feeding off of some of the comments you made, Fred, was if, if I think of certain industries like, you know, the, the, the ones that make soap and make water, you know, those are the industries that created the soap opera in this notion of, you know, that, that the, the mass communication model and, uh, you know, it really kind of created the first era of modern supply chain at the time. Mm -hmm. And if you look at where we're at now, you know, convenience is the most important brand to most of us, right? If, if I'm on Amazon shopping and it's two days for delivery, I'm probably going to go to a different different uh, product. So I think if, if you look at the – with our work at the uh, Applied Innovation Exchange, we focus on five areas – when companies come in to transform anything. We, we really challenge on five areas. One of them is this notion of customer obsessed. So if you're, if you're a manufacturer today and you have a supply chain today, the thing that's really driving you is your customers are demanding this. So yep. if, if you have to do this, there's you know, the, the other four areas I'll, I'll hold for later, but that's what's driving this. And then I, I loved your comment that the barriers to entry are so much lower now because you, you've basically got a, a a form of a utility when it comes to manufacturing, to distribution, to communication. These things that took the prior era of the biggest supply chains, the most sophisticated supply chains in the world, that the the things that made them great and gave them significant advantage, that those are deteriorating. And if you look at some of the big players in supply chain today, they are using incredible amount of technology in a very sophisticated way. They're highly adaptive. They're they're always learning and they're deeply obsessed about customers and, and that responsiveness to the customer. So I think of you know the the era that we're in right now, 
is one where you've got so much technology. And if you're a, I, I'll, I'll speak in generalities, but I have to think if I'm a, a, a in an incumbency business and I'm the head of a supply chain, I'm head of manufacturing, I've probably got three decades of experience running that last success story of, of technology, culture, all of that. And now I got to get my head around things like blockchain. Like between the three of us, I don't know if we can do a great job of explaining what blockchain is, right? It's, it's, it's hard to get your head around in, in AI and robotics and, and a dozen others that are really layering into the marketplace today and giving that not only lower barrier to entry, but more opportunity to innovate with the product, with the client, with the experience, you know, so. The point you made on consumer, consumer or cons- customer centricity is absolutely critical. We have now consumers going to a store with their phone and they can mm-hmm. check promotions mm-hmm. while they're shopping. Uh, so the whole concept of promotion, which has driven, you know, so much of the, uh, the revenue for CPG companies is now being completely reconsidered because how do we adapt? And now if you want to rethink about dynamic promotions, well, guess what? You need to make sure that you have the products available if the increasing demand happens. What the point I'm making here is that it's an increasing complexity. I think the, 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 the paradigm is shifting, of course, but that drives an acceleration of the decision making. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the decisions that were made in the corporate office now have to be made much closer to mm-hmm. the point of impact. That's easy to say. You can yeah. make the decision, but then you have to think about your supply chain. You have to think about your manufacturing. And, and you have to now think about this entire um, uh, network and the interdependencies uh, you know, in the network. And that drives a level of complexities that humans, even equipped with mm-hmm. the best tools and the best collaboration platform and the best you know, uh, modeling applications, just cannot comprehend it. You cannot cope. And this is where you need to bring... You know, I, I'm always a little bit suspicious when I hear the word AI, but that's really to where I bring a digital assistant, a tool, a set of tools that I can actually can process that complexity and match with, you know, the clock speed that's that's accelerating. I mean, that's what a company like Amazon has done. They just accelerated the clock speed. You said it yourself. As a consumer, if the good is not delivered to your house within 48 hours or 24 hours sometimes, you just go and, and change your, your buying habit. Um, that that is crazy if you think about how fast this happened as well. So the adaptability for those companies that have been working on a given model for 30, 40 years is a must-have. And this is why this conversation we're having today is a conversation that is happening at the board level. It's a conversation that's happening in the C-suite. It's absolutely not <clears throat> relegated down somewhere you know, in the organization. It is front and central because what's at stake is survival. It's yeah. plain and simple survival. And I'm reflecting as I hear you talk about, you know, where the decisions are moving and that two days is not enough. And, and Joe, what you're saying around you, you've got a incumbent set of leaders that are built around a certain dynamic certainty. And now they're being asked to integrate things like blockchain and AI and all of these different new technologies into something so that they can meet this changing customer demand. So to me, those feel almost incompatible or very difficult to overcome. And then at the same time, I read about, there's an HBR article that talks about uh, the supply chain function will be obsolete in five to 10 years. And it paints a very interesting picture about the need for this function or the ability for this function to be automated. And I'm, I'm curious to get, um, maybe we start, Joe, on, on your end, like your read on, does that sound right to you? Do you think in five to 10 years, 
that function will be obsolete? Will it be more important? Will it be equally important, but just more heavily automated? I'm kind of curious, like when you think about the amount of change that has to happen in a function that is as complex as we've described, is five to 10 years a reasonable window to think about a, a true change in that function? Uh, look, the first thing is that comes to my mind is, again, as I mentioned in, in the quick intro, I've been doing this for a long time. Um, 22 years, I believe, you know, and, and and this is the first time that I feel like the conversation is truly at the executive level. Hmm. We have the CEOs, the number two, the number three of some of the largest companies in the world flying to Silicon Valley, going and spend time with you, going to spend time with us, and literally listening carefully about what, what we call cognitive automation can enable. And a number of times we had those executives saying, can I steal your slides? There is a you probably have the same the same thing, which is like this message resonates with us. And when we launched the concept an era in the technology as uh, June 2017, not that long ago, it was pretty you know ambitious to call this technology a cognitive operating system that enables a self-driving enterprise. The reaction in the market was not like, "Wow, you guys are so smart." The reaction was like, "Where have you been?" We've been waiting for that. And then you talk to your customers and you learn that, hey, look, the complexity is, if you think about the way a big organization is structured, it's what I call the bedrock of transactional systems. You got, yesterday I was talking to a large organization in, in Europe, they have 86 different uh, ERPs. And even for those who have consolidated into a handful of them, the problem doesn't change. It's ERPs are structured in silos. So you got this massive bedrock of transaction data. And why do they have so many ERPs? Because a lot of businesses have grown through acquisition. And because once you're stuck in that transactional mode, it's very difficult to to break out of it. So you've got, yeah, the theory of AI, the theory of being agile, yeah, it's great, but when your data, what you need, and you made the point about the car and data, that's where I'm going, the enterprise is even worse because the data is stuck in antiquated systems that you need to run your business on a day-to-day -day basis. So you can't really disrupt those systems. So what you have to do is, and sorry, on top of this system, you have this massive pyramid, right? this big old organization, the CEO at the top, and then you have people, process, tools, and what and and the knowledge of those information workers is as important uh, for them. It's as uh, equally important to know to do how to do their job with the outside in view, how the market is evolving, as the inside out, which is how, how does the company actually work? If I need to make something happen in my big company, your knowledge of where to go, what system to activate, how do the decision-making process happens in my company is equally as important as the decision that you're trying to, to execute, right? So that's the problem. And, and that pyramid sits on top of this bedrock. And what we're looking at right now is moving from that big pyramid to a network. You know, and you see the new digitally native companies being so much agile simply because their organization design is completely different. One of our clients um, was telling us the other day the problem of, of planners in supply chain is that they used to spend 10, 15 years in the same area, in the same job, both building their knowledge on how the market reacts and how to best plan a promotion here or there, but they also build the knowledge of how to work inside the company. Now with the new generation of information workers, they won't stay a year, two years, three years, and then move to the next job. So that intimate knowledge on how to make the right decision that you acquired over many years is gone. 
So there is, the, the, when you talk to executives, they have all these different facets of competitive pressure, pressure on margins, you know, the, the industry macro trends, the technology trends. And you're right, they might come and say, how can AI save us? And what we do is we'll say, what problems are you trying to resolve? Yeah. Literally, go back to the technology is not the answer. What is the problem? You're spending $4 billion on incentive compensation and you know intimately that it's not the right thing anymore. You're spending $10 billion on promotions a year and you know intimately that you don't know what you're doing because, you're consu because your, your speed at which you deploy this promotion is, is too slow and consumers are outpacing you, outbeating you, and you're just reacting. So we always try to focus on what is the number one problem you want to start, and then it's our job to apply technology, and as you said, people, culture, and all the different aspects to try to resolve that problem. But back to your point you made around the 10 years, um, I think we're in the exactly exact situation where we overestimate what will be in yeah. one year and we <laughs> underestimate what will be in 10. Era could, would not have existed five years ago, literally could not have existed five years ago. And we're alive and kicking and, and kicking really hard and growing really fast. So th this is moving. This is happening now. I remember all the keynotes that I've done in the past, you know, 10 years going like, oh, it's coming, it's coming. It, now I'm saying it's not coming, it's there. And yeah. if you haven't realized it, you're in trouble. So, yeah, we're living in that moment right now. Excellent. So I want to spend a little bit of time. I know we talked quite a bit at a high level about complexity, but there's a part of me that I'd, I'd love stories and specific examples. And one that comes to mind for me is when I think about leveraging complexity for value that can uniquely be applied for, for larger companies or companies that have kind of some legs underneath them. Um, there's an example where there's a, a company out in the market that used um, supply chain to their advantage by evaluating and building multiple recipes to build the same end product, right? So um, by building those multiple recipes, they can look at spot pricing for ingredients. They can actually switch supply chain partners and ecosystems um, and use that as a way to, to hedge um, against raw price changes, right? So this is a way that they've looked at that complexity in the market and said, that's actually good for us um, if we manage it. And I'm just curious if like what other examples come to mind for you that are kind of more targeted or specific of extracting value out of that complexity when done when done right you talked about more on the manufacturing and and the supply i'll go more on the on the sell side um you know forecasting why can't i forecast accurately by pulling data coming from multiple streams and, and once I have a forecast, I need to check that, you know, the inventory is there or that I have the ability to manage the material, which means I'm blending different systems, which is the traditional vendor's approach break down. And then you have people in meeting rooms trying to reconcile what that uh, connection should be between your supply and your demand. I mean, but why can't we use algorithm? Why can't yeah. we use an algorithm is a big word. Why can't mm -hmm. we use software to do that? Why can't we use a Google-type technology or a LinkedIn-type technology to actually resolve this problem on the fly? Now we can. Now it's available and we can resolve it. So it's not even AI. Sometimes it's simple models. But they can manage that, that planning at scale, right, and do it in real time. And we tried a lot to demystify um, what we're doing here because the problems are very simple. The challenge is the 40 years 
of boxes piled on top of each other. It's an industry that has made so much money by saying, I'm going to change the pipes I sold you three years ago with a new set of pipes, but they basically do the same thing, as opposed to, hey, you don't need the pipes anymore. There is a new approach to actually resolving the problem. And, and I think that's what you see the disruptors do. And I think that's what the market actually wants today. The, the, the message of, I'm going to give you a better widget to replace the old widget, but this one is buzzword number one, buzzword number two. <laughs> I think these days are over. I think companies are tapped out. They're saying, well, no more. We need to get to a point where, why can't we do like Google? Why can't we do like Facebook? Why can't we do like LinkedIn in terms of volume, complexity, real-time collaboration, leveraging the best of technology to help us make those decisions, augment the uh, the human power. So, so I see that really happening now uh, at speed, and and the paradigm shift is um, it's already started. I think we we haven't crossed the chasm completely. We're still with the early adopters, uh, but it's coming fast and furious. Do you think that that I, I love that idea of? of companies looking at other industries or looking at a Google or looking at a LinkedIn or looking at someone out there in the market and going, well, they're doing that at scale. How, how come we can't? I, I, I love that example. I mean, this is what era is era. This is the paradigm. This is what we apply to ourselves and going like, wow, why are we limited in that structure, that volume of data? I cannot have more than a billion here or a hundred million there and I cannot collaborate with more than X people. And go like, this makes no sense yeah. anymore. I do it on my iPhone. And, I have been talking about this for many, many years, and suddenly it goes like, well, we got to do something about it. Um, and honestly, I think our own technology, our own industry of software vendors, of uh, 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 services firms is going to be disrupted. We're the last ones to see it. Yeah. We're the last yeah. ones to admit it. Yeah. But we are getting disrupted because software is easier to make than ever. Um, I think services is becoming more fluid as people have access to their own networks of experts. That's the point you were making earlier. My head of supply chain in this company doesn't need us to reach out to someone else. So there's a new way Mm -hmm. of people to collaborate and we just have to adjust to this. And um, the the last point I want to make is the era of the three-letter acronym implementation that takes five years. (laughs) This is over. That is, and you guys know that, but it's completely dead. What we say with our clients today is, um, what's the problem you're trying to resolve? If it takes more than two to three months to get there, there's probably a better way. And that's to me, if if the implementation takes, and then you roll and you start, you fail fast, you put some skin in the game, and we roll. And we go one project, another project, and we expand like this, as opposed to trying to build this massive waterfall, oh yeah, or agile, whatever, same problem, uh, a roadmap that just doesn't get us there. So uh, there, there is there is a change in the way we do things as well, and I think you have with any new wave of transformation, you'll have a couple of winners and you'll have some losers. We just refuse to see it as our, our mm. because it's our own industry. Yeah, well, I think just building off one of those those threads you had of, if, if you think of the prior era of okay, I'm going to do an eight year major <laughs> deployment and I'm going to contractually commit to a partner for that you know eight year term. I'm locked to a channel for innovation for that yeah. function. And everything else going on in the industry, I'm probably this my switching cost is so significant that I'm not gonna do it. Whereas now you can re-architect to say, okay, I'm gonna do two year contracts and I'm going to have a architecture that allows me to plug in yeah. 
uh, the competitive market force and take advantage of, you know, that this SaaS player is on fire right now and has brought a level of innovation that I need to bring in so that agility from a contracting and, and, and uh, an implementation standpoint is, is really amazing. I think that's the another phenomenon that we see is this notion of SaaS and, and putting a, a software company hat on. Or when, when the sale is complete of that eight-year technology deployment, that sale is complete. Where is the best talent? Where is that hungry talent, that entrepreneurial you know, fever? It, it's dissipated after that sale. Whereas now in a SaaS world, I know there's more com- competition concurrently and more innovation that's going on. And the sale is never done for that supplier. It's I've, I've got to perpetually bring value because you're on a you're on a utility model, so you know, we're seeing that transformation in the industry right now, and 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 I think it's amazing to be the recipient of that. Yeah. But it's also it, it, it's a mindset shift that you've got to architect your your organization different and your sourcing models different. And then I I think that what comes to mind for me there, like the it pushes the market so hard to move faster and continually innovate. The, as the cycles there for contracts get shorter and shorter and shorter, it opens amazing options, but it also forces innovation back into the marketplace, which is, I think, part of, like you said, what we're seeing, and it makes it super interesting um, and valuable. Thanks for listening to today's Applied Innovation Podcast. Kevin, Joe, and Frederick have a lot more to say on the matter, and we'll continue the conversation where they left off in part two of the podcast, which you can find by clicking the link in the show notes. Thanks, and see you next time on the Applied Innovation Podcast.